The strangers come up to the windows in the daylight sometimes, but I know they can't see me. Their eyes look like boiled eggs that rotted, just gray and slimy. There's something wrong with them. They must have been the ones who saw the light when the bomb hit, at least that's what some of us living and hiding in here speculate. A few people and I have been staying in this building for a while. I used to sit for hours in a chair in front of a window downstairs. The chair used to be behind somebody's desk who never came back after what happened. The sky lit up some months ago and everything went to shit. After that, the world went to shit. Anyway, it's one of those spinny chairs, the kind that pushes out air when you sit on it and smells like old plastic. I'd wave my hands around in front of the strangers when they'd awkwardly wander up to the window in the daylight. They'd shuffle over, sniffing around blindly, feeling on things like the masonry walls or the overgrown weeds, hoping to find something to latch onto. They never did acknowledge me no matter what I did. I even flashed one of them once just out of boredom. What the hell are you doing? Are you insane? James asked me. And I shrugged and I said, I guess so. They can't see us anyway. It was a game because we would get so bored inside the building knowing that at nighttime we couldn't leave any of the lights on. And we would be fumbling around just like them in the dark until it was dawn again. We learned that while they can't see in the daylight, nighttime is completely different. If you put on any kind of light, they'll know exactly where you are and they'll see you. It could be one spark, one match, one glint of static and they come for you. And when they come for you, and they will, because they'll see even the faintest flicker, they'll rip you apart. I've never seen it happen, but some of the people here already have. I don't think I want to see it. Today I'm sitting here wondering what to do about the dwindling food supplies and the boredom, the loneliness, the isolation, the growing resentment among the survivors here. Lately everything turns into an argument, no matter who you talk to, no matter how sweet and understanding they used to be. There was a girl here named Danielle who lost her daughter to one of those things. And she was the only person I got along with. But one day she just decided to go outside at night and she never came back. I watched her walk through the tall grass where some of the strangers sleep. Maybe they didn't even know she was out there at first. But I saw her stand in the middle of the field. Her back was turned to me and I could see her long, dark hair in the sunset and that leather jacket she wore all the time, no matter how dusty it got. She sunk down into the grass, I guess to sit, and I saw one strike of a match. I turned around and walked away. I didn't want to watch what happened after that. Anybody gets sick of being cooped up all day only going out a few miles at a time to find some Coke cans or cans of refried beans. There's three of us left, including me, meaning there's James and Bridget. Bridget, what a name. 
Bridget's gone cold lately, though, meaning that I think she's losing touch with reality. And so James and I take care of her till she gets it back together. Who's going to go out this time and get supplies, James asks. And I want to go out. I want to feel the cold morning air outside. We need a fire today, he says. We need one tonight, too. And we can have it in the basement without them seeing. So you need to get firewood or something that'll burn. I just don't know how we're going to let the smoke out, he says. And he says he built a chimney, but he's still scared that somehow the strangers will see the sparks from the fire and know where to look. That's when I hear barking. It sounds like small barking, meaning from what I can tell, it's a small dog. It's a little wolf, not a big, scary, intimidating wolf. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten curious enough to tell James to come with me and look. It might cheer Bridget up, I say to him, and he rolls his eyes and crosses his arms over his broad chest and says, whatever, just don't let it in if it has rabies. It's been so long since I've seen a dog, I'm curious what this one looks like. I'm imagining him like a terrier with a spot on his eye, or maybe he's a little fluffy Pomeranian that got away from his rich owner in the hill country and found his way out here by himself looking for help. When I get to the window, I call him over. Who knows if it's a he or a she, but to me, for some reason, I always call dogs he and cats she. He's nothing like I pictured. He's a black and white border collie, and he's the friendliest dog I've ever seen. When he sees me, it's like he smiles, but he keeps on barking as if he's trying to tell us something. But there's nothing that either of us can see. Hopefully he doesn't bite, I say because I have to leave and get the firewood and supplies. I say to James, and he says he wouldn't go outside so long as that thing was out there because he wouldn't want to risk getting bitten. I don't care about anything anymore. I savor the idea of it biting me and me having something to do, like tending to a wound or strangling a dog until it stops biting me. I live so much in my mind now that anything that happens in the house, I live so much in my mind now that anything that happens in the outside world is more like a dream than anything that happens in my imagination. I hop out of the window because we've long since boarded up the door when one of those things wandered in here. The windows are higher up so the strangers can't just come shambling in like ghosts. That's why I started calling them strangers, because they came in and we didn't know who they were or what they were or how to get them out. Thankfully, the one that came in, some old man in a burnt suit and a dirty surgical mask, ended up just wandering right back out on his own. When I get outside, the dog's excited to see me, and it doesn't bite, doesn't bark. He just comes up to be petted. I say to him, well, I guess you're coming with me. And he listens. The front of the building is overgrown because we've been here ever since the bright light came, and I'm assuming a lot of people died. I don't remember where I was when it happened. 
All I remember is the light and waking up in the building. It's an old clinic with a lot of desks, I guess, and a lot of medical stuff like blood pressure machines, rooms with little beds. Useless stuff now, except for the beds, of course. We ended up slowly eating the contents of the cafeteria, and over time, the supplies ran out. All the frozen stuff and canned stuff. We've still got a little to last us, but I'm out here for a reason. We'll run out soon if I don't go further out than I usually do. The sky's covered in clouds, and it has been ever since. Really thin clouds that you can see through, but they're always there. Sometimes ashes fall down softly the way that snowflakes used to, and sometimes I think they are snow, because it's so cold now, all the time. I walk through a vast field, and when I pass through the knee-high grass, I can feel spider webs on my cheeks, and I think about how people used to tell me that that means that you've been standing still for too long in your life, but when I look up, I know it's probably from the dead trees that are alive with spiders now. The idea hits me that there might also be snakes in here, but now that I got this dog, at least I'll know ahead of time. We could have been out there all day, or just a few hours. It passed so calmly, so quietly, that I didn't even notice when I saw a building I hadn't ever seen before. At least not at first. It's an old gas station, and I think, good, candy bars, something else to eat besides bland food. But as I walk to the front of it, the dog stops me. He stands in front of me and barks. What is it? I say. But then I see what it is. It's one of the strangers with their rotten eyes and their slow, erratic walk that makes them look like something crooked. But at angles that are almost pretty, like a broken ballerina. It's a woman, a young one, maybe my age or a little younger and she's touching the trim of the door and then the ground and then she gets down on her hands and knees and starts to crawl feeling for things to grab i always wondered why they never hear us maybe the light affected their ears too the dog and i move on but it isn't long before we see something else Behind the gas station is a small town, abandoned, of course, by the looks of it, and the dog runs ahead as I walk cautiously up toward the tiny cluster of buildings, just a street with, a, with storefronts and tailoring places, pizzerias, nail salons, useless stuff except for maybe the pizza place, which might have things we can eat. There's a can of gasoline that I walk up to and lift. I shake it around a little bit. It has some left, and I figure it might be useful for something, so I take it with me. But then I hear people's voices, and the sound is alien to me at first because it's a sound I haven't heard in so long. Someone else's voice. Someone besides the survivors I've been with in my building. The dog comes running toward me, and it's barking, and at first, I think it's going to bite me, that it's running at me, but it's running past me instead, and it's trying to make me come with it. I want to know who the people talking are, 
I want to know what they know, but what if they want what I want? Supplies, firewood, the clothes off my back or the boots off my feet? Or what if they want something even worse, since I can tell the voices are men? I run with the dog. I run for what seems forever, until I can't run anymore. I'm out of breath, and I'm not used to running. And I think there's something wrong with the air now. Something that makes it heavier and thick and harder to breathe. I just want to sit down and rest. We have to be far enough away from them by now, I think, but part of me wants them to find us. I come back empty-handed except for the firewood and gasoline. And I tell James about what happened. What? He says. Why didn't you just talk to them? We've been trapped in here without anybody else to help us. They could have helped us. And I say, well, just go with me tomorrow and we'll find them. I don't want to talk to new people alone. What if they're psychopaths? And he agrees. And he and I and the dog go down into the basement where we've got our cans of green beans for dinner and some purified water that still has flecks of carbon dust when we swallow it. The smoke from the fire vents through the chimney he's made and we decide to go upstairs and show Bridget the dog. But when we get there, she's not there. We, we search the whole building top to bottom and when we get to the basement, she's, she's in there in front of the fire waiting for us, just staring into the flames. It's time to go now, she says. It's time to stop playing games with yourself. James and I look at each other and the dog looks at me. I can smell the gasoline now. Bridget has the can of gasoline, but by now it's empty. She's already put it all over the floor, all over herself, and she splashes James with it too. Me and the dog start running out of there right when she lights the place on fire. When we get outside, it's almost nighttime. The strangers will be coming soon. The flames consume everything faster than I thought possible, and soon I hear the same voices I heard earlier, but this time they're different. They're yelling for me. Not by name or anything, but they're yelling for me, and I can tell because they're saying, Hey, you! Get out of there! Get away from there! I run up to them, two men in filthy clothes and stained surgical masks, as if that might help the air taste better, and I beg, Please, please, my friends are in there. They're going to die, please. The man looks at me, confused, and then looks at his friend. He looks back at me and says, You're the only one that's been in there. We've tried to help you before, but you just never came out. I look back at the building as it burns down, and I don't know what's real anymore. I see a sign poking through the tall grass and it says lost pines sanitarium 